Welcome to the Defender Bible Study, a weekly encouragement to equip the body of Christ through the study of Scripture and prayer to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children around the world. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, where we believe that defending the fatherless begins by being rooted in God's Word. It's Monday, February 17th, 2020. This is Rick Morton, Lifeline's Vice President of Engagement, and today we're continuing our study in the book of 2 John. Um, and so thank you again for uh, joining us for the Defender Bible Study this week. Uh, we are continuing. We just finished the book of 1 John. We're going to take all of the, the letter uh, of John uh, that's called 2 John. We're going to take that today in its entirety, all 13 verses. Um, and so um, really excited to, to dive in with you um, and uh, to engage in the study. Um, today we're going to be borrowing from a, an outline from John MacArthur for this study and, and really uh, kind of looking at four B's. Uh, so our, our study today is alliterated four B's uh, that we can see out of Second uh, John with regard to, to Christian hospitality. The first of which um, is, the, is the basis of Christian hospitality. If we look at verses 1 through 3, uh, John, who refers to himself in the letter as uh, the elder, it says, The elder to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth, uh, not only I, but also all who know truth, because the truth that abides in us and will be, will be with us forever. Uh, grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son in truth and love. And so uh, we begin, and, and what we see here is that John is writing a letter, and I believe there are a couple of different interpretations that scholars give us here, but I really believe that who John is writing to in this letter is he's writing to, to a particular lady. He's writing to a particular house church that's, that's a part of the, the church that he was writing to in First in John. And so he's, he's writing and giving a particular warning to, to a group of believers about, about how they're using the gift of hospitality. Now, one of the things we want to remember as we delve into this is this is a little bit different than the hospitality that you and I uh, engage in or have the opportunity to engage in in, in our culture. Um, so when, when we're talking about hospitality, we're usually thinking about hosting someone into our home or hosting someone into a context that, that we kind of control and we're, we're familiar with. And it's about us um, you know, making them feel comfortable and providing for them and, and loving on them in a way that reflects Christ. Um, in, back in the day when this was written, John, when John is talking about hospitality, he, he's literally talking about hosting someone in their home because, remember, they didn't have uh, Holiday Inn or uh, Hampton Inn or Motel 6 at this time. And so when, when there was someone who was coming from outside the community uh, and they were coming into the community, they had to be hosted in someone's home. And so John is literally talking about opening the home and the life and, and the family and kind of everybody to, to a kind of a 24-7 hospitality and, and bringing people into your home. And, and what, what John is, is speaking to here is about how, kind of what are the limits of that hospitality and, and how are we supposed to do that in, uh, in the body of Christ. And so the first thing that he points out is he, he begins by talking about um, 
that he loves these people in this house that are part of this house church. He loves them in truth. And, and so the first thing that we see here, the basis of Christian hospitality, is, is the gospel. Uh, we can go back over into 1 John, if we go a couple of pages back um, in, in the scriptures, Beginning in verse 11, John says a really similar thing. He talks about this kind of mutual love um, that we have for each other in the body. He says, for this is the message in verse 11, this is the message that you have heard from the beginning that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have, have passed out of, of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and yet closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word, or, or talk, but in deed and in truth. And so John is basically saying that if that if we're in Christ, we're going to have this kind of brother love for each other. That there's and and that that comes as a result of the gospel. And and so I think the the caution here is to remember that that kind of love doesn't doesn't extend. Um, to everyone. The reason we love fellow Christians is, is because we're brothers and sisters in Christ and we extend that kind of familial love to them. And our hospitality is, is to be about taking care of the brothers and sisters. On the other hand, uh, John is is talking about um, what John is is not talking about is that that people that are outside of the body of Christ that we don't show hospitality to them. But what he is illustrating is that there's a difference because we have fellowship and truth. The hospitality that we that we extend to people that are outside the body of Christ is 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 gospel purposed hospitality. Um, what's their greatest need? Their greatest need is the gospel. Their greatest need is not our our attention or our devotion or our goods or our anything. Their greatest need is Jesus. And so the reason that we host people well, the reason that we love people well, the reason that we bring people into our homes um, is is because we because we want to show them the gospel. My, my friend Fred Luter in New Orleans is the pastor of uh, Franklin Avenue Baptist Church and a former president of the SBC. Fred talks a lot about this idea of frangelism, and, and he basically mashes together the word friend and evangelism. And, and Fred has a, has a great story that the way he began pastoring uh, when, when Franklin Avenue was sort of a dying church and, and, and a church that, that was much in need of revitalization is that he started um, paying for pay-per-view boxing events and hosting guys from his community in his home. Why? Because he wanted to make friends with them. And, and this was something they were interested in. And so he brought these guys in and slowly but surely began to develop relationships with them and began to show them the truth of the gospel and began to tell them the gospel. And, and there were lots of them who committed their lives to Jesus who are now people that are, that are cornerstones at Franklin Avenue. Uh, and, and they all came because Fred was willing to open his home and, and because he was willing to share the gospel. But, but Fred wasn't going to sit down and talk deep doctrine with them. He wasn't going to learn uh, Christian discipleship from them. He was going to pour Christian discipleship into them, um, and that's different.
The, the second thing that, that, uh, that we see, the second B, is the behavior of Christian hospitality, verses 4 through 6. Um, and John, John writes, I rejoice greatly to find some of your children walking in truth just as we were commanded by the Father. And now I ask you, dear lady, not as though uh, I were writing a new commandment, but one we had heard from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. And, and so uh, John here is saying that the, the behavior of Christian hospitality, like what we're supposed to spur each other onto in, in the midst of fellowship, in the midst of, of hosting and caring for one another, is we're supposed to, to, to spur one another onto obedience. And, and so the purpose of our relationships in the body of Christ is that we, that we press on each other, that we push on each other, that we help each other, that we encourage each other to, to be more like Jesus. And, and so that means that, that, that it's that fellowship and, and it's, that, it's that deep hosting where we're really able to get to a deep level where, where accountability happens, where support really happens, where, where relationship really happens. Uh, I've heard Herbie say many times that, that we, should be, um, we should be closer and should, we should be more at home with our believers that are halfway around the our friend our believe with believers that are halfway around the world than we are with our non-Christian family. And, and like the, the the truth is that the bond that we have in Christ leads us um, to 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 have that strong bond. But the purpose of that strong bond is that we're we're essentially um, we're essentially working for each other and and pressing toward the goal of becoming more like Jesus. Um, number three are, are the bounds of Christian hospitality, and this is the point at which um, John gives a warning. He says, For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh, such as one... It, it, such a one is a deceiver and the Antichrist. Watch yourself so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but you may win full reward. Everyone who goes ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting, for whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. Now, I think what we need to keep in mind here is the thing that I said at the beginning. Remember, there's no, there's no Motel 6 here. And so when someone was coming, if they were, if they were known to be a false teacher, if they were, if they were suspected of trying to lead uh, the body astray, um, basically John is, is saying something very direct. He's saying, don't give them a place to stay. Don't give them the endorsement of your home. Don't, don't entertain their ideas because at the end of the day, what you're doing is you're bringing poison into the midst of your home. So, and, and, and practically, he's saying that if you give these false teachers uh, a place to reside, you're also giving them credibility and you're giving them an opportunity because you're allowing them to stay here. If they came and they went house to house and they weren't invited into any of the homes of the believers, they probably would have to find somewhere else to go. And, and so therefore their teaching wouldn't really come against the church. Um, the Apostle Paul says something really similar in, in, in Titus uh, when he talks about the idea of, of, of like what we do with people that, that stir up dissension and people that teach false doctrine in the midst of the church. 
He says, uh, beginning verse 8 of Titus 3, this saying is trustworthy that I want you to insist on these things that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote, to devote themselves to good works. In other words, like you need to in insist on, on right doctrine and you need to insist on the, uh, the, the, the gospel once delivered uh, for the ages. And, and then he says, these things are excellent and profitable for people. But then he goes on and gives a warning. He says, avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. In other words, people that are, that are trying to reinterpret the gospel, people that are trying to, to stretch the truth, people that are trying to enrich themselves or, or, or trying to lead the church astray, um, like be careful of that and don't allow that to come in your midst. He says, as for a person who stirs up division after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him, knowing that such a person is warped and sinful and he is self-condemned. And so Paul gives a similar kind of warning where he says, look, if, if you have people that are, that are teaching things that are contrary to the gospel and you warn them and you warn them again, then at some point you have to put them at a distance and, and remove them from the body because that's dangerous because that's going to lead that's going to lead people astray. And ultimately, it, it may lead people um, a, a, away from Jesus and may marginalize the opportunity for them to be able to know and to follow Christ. And so, so what we need to, to, to remember, I think, in this for us in a practical application today is that we don't need to feel compelled to, to bring people in our midst um, and to tolerate uh, poor doctrine or to, to tolerate them trying to lead the body astray because, because we're trying to be nice people. Uh, because there is the, the, there is a greater concern here, and and it, it's greater than good old um, you know Southern sensibility and Christian hospitality. We need to protect the church by by putting those people at arm's length. The final thing that John says here in. Uh, in, in 2 John, verses 12 and 13, he says, Though I have much to write to you, I would rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face so that our joy may be complete. The children of your elect sister greet you. And, and so finally is this idea kind of of the blessing of Christian hospitality. And, and I think it's really um, interesting here that, that John um, abbreviates his letter and says, there's a whole lot more that I could say to you about this, but I really, I really want to come and I really hope to say this to you face to face, um, not just in a letter. And I was really kind of struck this week in, in preparing for this Bible study to think that um, how much do we live behind a keyboard today? How much of the business that we transact and even the relationships that we have, how much are they governed and, and, and judged by um, or, 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 or exist in the realm of sending emails and text messages and things like that because those things are, um, are, are efficient. But, but the truth is that relationship in the body of Christ and Christian discipleship doesn't happen through email and it doesn't happen through text. It happens through face-to-face -face conversation. And so I would just um, uh, something that I have as a as a as a as a desire and a prayer point for our team here at Lifeline, and something I pray for for our church, and and something that I would would pray for you and would would ask you to prayerfully consider is um, being proactive about about being face to face with people, about having real conversations with people, about picking up the phone instead of sending a text or sending an email when we have the opportunity. Um, to, to actually be able to to address people personally and and to and to get a little bit deeper into each other's lives and and this joy um, that that 
that John is talking about here about making their joy complete, he realizes that their joy won't be as complete if they just transact um, their relationship over a letter that ultimately it's far superior for him to go and to be with and to dwell with and to enter into conversation. And so let's be people who are proactive about seeking out opportunities to be able to talk um, and, to, and to be able to, to do uh, life together face-to-face. So I hope today has been, uh, has been helpful and profitable to you. Thank you for joining us for the Defender Bible Study. Um, this week, uh, we're praying for the country of the Dominican Republic. And, and so we have uh, our partner there, Ninos, Ninos de, de la Luz. My, my Spanish is not nearly as good as my English. Uh, and, and we want to begin by praying for La Beliza, the boys' home that we partner with that's part of Ninos. We want to pray for the boys who, who live at La Beliza, that they'll trust Christ as their Savior and that they'll, they'll come to know the love of their Heavenly Father. We want to pray for unity and strength among the staff at the home, the teachers and leaders and cooks and groundskeepers and all who pour into the lives of these boys, that, that they'll experience the kind of, of, of Christian unity that we talked about in 1 John and now in 2 John, and that that'll be reflected into, into the lives of these boys. We want to pray for uh, wisdom for our unadopted team to grow in relation and in, in deepen the relationship with the Hazlitts, who uh, who are the primary missionaries at uh, at Ninos, and to find new ways to to be able to walk alongside their ministry. We want to pray for um, caregiver education uh, training that's going to take place in July, and pray for the team that's going to go there. We want to um, pray for the church in the DR that they will be faithful to teach the gospel. We want to pray for IMB and IJM and other missionaries that are in the DR, that they'll have many opportunities to form relationships and to empower the church. And we want to pray for the central authority, um, Kanani, and we want to pray for families that are in the process of adopting for the DR. We want to pray that the central authority, um, to as they work and advocate for children, that they're going to make decisions that are in the children's best interest for wisdom and creativity as they seek to meet children's needs and, and policies that are, uh, that are slanted for the good of children. And we want to pray that that the Lord will bring mission missionally minded families um, to the to adopt in the Dominican Republic children that are that are best served by international adoption um, that are that are really excited about the four to six month stay and see that as a missional opportunity for their family and then we want to pray for our team on the ground as well as our lifeline team in in Latin America uh, Beth Perez and Oscar Perez and and our team uh, that's back here in Birmingham as well as as they seek to serve well um, our partners in the Dominican Republic. And so let's pray together. Father, we thank you. God, we thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy. God, we thank you that, Lord, you are um, you are sovereign. God, we, we thank you that you give us the opportunity to live in relationship in the body of Christ and, in, and to enjoy the hospitality of each other. And God, to mirror um, the hospitality that you have extended to us uh, in in Jesus and and that Jesus you stepped out of heaven and came into the the sin and the discomfort of this world and and that Lord you conquered it on our behalf and that God you've invited us into relationship with you and so today Lord we we thank you God we pray for the nation of the Dominican Republic we pray for our friends at Ninos and particularly there in the boys home and and God we pray that um, 
that your light would shine and that, Lord, um, that many would come to walk with Jesus um, and that, God, that children would be, would be helped and restored as a result of the ministry at Ninos. We pray for the Hazlitts and for all of the people that work with them there from, uh, from caregivers to the, the gardeners and the cooks and everybody who's a part of that big family, that, Lord, you will continue to grow them in your image, and, Lord, you will use them um, to, to be the hands and feet of Jesus in the lives of these kids. God, we pray for the church in the DR, and Lord, just ask you to continue to bless as they continue to reach their own nation for Christ, and and that, Lord, that, that they would be uh, increasingly a people who find creative ways to care for uh, the vulnerable and, and for uh, the marginalized in their society. Um, God, we pray for adoptive families that are uh, that are considering adoption and considering the Dominican Republic. Lord, we pray that you would give uh, families who have the ability to go and, and go through the four- to six-month stay. Lord, that you would give them a vision for doing ministry in the Dominican Republic and, and God, in leveraging that responsibility for, uh, for your kingdom. And, God, we pray for the central authority that you will, uh, you will give them opportunity to... Um, Lord, to, to, to make laws and make policies that are helpful to children um, and that God protect them and, and God that are in the best interest of children. Father, we love you and we thank you and we, we confess today that we need you and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. All right, hope you had uh, hope you have a great week, and we're excited to continue next week in our study uh, of the letter of Third John uh, as we conclude um, our study in John's letters. Uh, Lord bless you, and this is Rick Morton again for Lifeline Children's Services. Uh, please check us out at lifelinechild.org. Uh, we'd love to connect with you, uh, and we hope to hear, see you again here really soon. Thanks again for joining us for the Defender Bible Study. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Bible Study to make it easier for more people to find. For more resources and information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, please visit us at lifelinechild.org. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. We look forward to seeing you again next week for the Defender Bible Study.